0: This week, we saw yet another person added to the list of Trump's friends that are now felons, a rally in Arizona, as well as five Republicans appointed and then withdrawn from a committee. You're listening to Politics, Politics, and this is the week of 7, 18, 2021. everyone i hope you've been having a nice week so far and let us begin So not too long after I released my last episode, Kevin McCarthy, he actually released his list of the five Republicans he would like to see on the January 6th committee. And so essentially we talked about this about two to three weeks ago and we were talking about how Nancy Pelosi had arranged this committee in the House of Representatives after it had failed in the Senate. And on this committee, Nancy Pelosi had appointed many people who had either worked to impeach Trump in 2019 or 2021, or they were experienced with such committees, or they were experienced with national security. And so she had prominent Democrats such as Adam Schiff and James Raskin and many more. But she also had two Republicans, Liz Cheney and Adam Kissinger. Adam Kissinger was recently added just two days ago after I'm recording this. And so there are two Republicans on this committee. That's, it's not a whole lot because there's about 10 people on the committee. But, you know, two out of 10, it's better. It's better than nothing. It really is better than nothing because, well, well, we'll get into it. So yes, two Republicans were on that committee. I did say last week that Kevin McCarthy, he would be able to appoint members to the committee if he wishes. And he never made it clear if he would. But as I said, just last week after I released my last episode, he decided to appoint five members to the committee. And at first, when I was just like, you know, skimming through the list, I was fairly happy because we didn't have Marjorie Taylor Greene or Matt Gates on the list. And these were two Republicans who were open to joining um, the committee, not because they actually wanted to focus on the investigation, but it was probably just to disrupt the investigation or just cloud it with all of their conspiracy theories. And yeah, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt gates they weren't on the list, but there were still three people who voted not to approve 2020's election results. And the people who McCarthy put forward for the committee were Rodney Davis, who actually, he actually represents the district I live in. No one here really likes him, but he keeps on winning for some reason. So we have Rodney Davis, Jim Banks, Jim Jordan, Kelly Armstrong, and Troy Nels. Out of all of them, Banks, Jordan, and Nels didn't vote to certify the 2020 election results. And that's obviously not a trait that Nancy would like to see in a member of the committee, which is why she rejected Jordan and Banks from this committee, Uh, but she kept... Kelly Armstrong, Rodney Davis, and Troy Nell. And Troy Nell didn't vote for the certification of the election, but I guess she probably just added him because if she rejected three out of the five, then McCarthy would definitely be mad. And so she just accepted the better one out of Jordan, Nels, and Banks. And so this happened, and either way, either way, no matter how many she selected out of the group, even though she selected the majority of five, she selected three. Kevin, he still pulled out every single member that he had appointed to that group. And there was a press conference that was held afterwards this move. And basically it was a weird press conference to watch, but it was basically, was just talking about how this was just an abuse of power and how Pelosi had rejected them because she doesn't want to answer tough questions about January 6th. He also talked about how Pelosi needs to answer to the American people on why there weren't enough police there on January 6th when they knew back in December that there was a potential threat. And and for some reason, he pretty much made it seem like it was the Democrats' fault that January 6th happened in the first place. Like, it's not obvious enough that there were a bunch of Trump signs, that these were people who stormed the Capitol and they were in there and they were talking about how Trump would be proud of them. You know, that doesn't make it obvious enough. For some reason, it's the Democrats' fault that all of this happened. And it's pretty crazy. This was actually the first time I'd seen a Republican talk like that. But, you know, at this point, if the Statue of Liberty collapsed to a bunch of people who are wearing full-out Trump apparel, Republicans, they would somehow find a way to pin it on the Democrats. Trump has one of, if not the most corrupt White House in U.S. history. We've talked about a couple of his friends who've gotten in trouble on this podcast before, such as Steve Bannon, who got in trouble for the GoFundMe that he sort of like took over. And it was originally created by Brian Colfidge and other people. And essentially, the GoFundMe was for the wall that Trump was going to build. And they managed to raise a massive 25 million dollars on that GoFundMe, which is a whole lot of money. And they ended up using hundreds of thousands of those dollars for personal uses. And it was promised that one cent wouldn't even be taken. That was a lie. Hundreds of thousands of dollars were taken. And so, first of all, they were raising money for a bad cause. Second of all, they cheated all these people. Third of all, they just used the money for themselves and they didn't even give it to the government that's the sad part. And i have also talked about Roger Stone and how Trump had pardoned him after he'd been convicted of witness tampering. And essentially what witness tampering is, is he was trying to influence the opinion of a witness. There are many others besides Roger Stone and, and Steve Bannon, who've also been convicted. We have Michael Cohen, Paul Manafort, and Michael Flynn. But this week, yet another member of the Trump White House was convicted and that was Tom Barrick. Barrick was a friend of Trump's for a very long time. They were both successful businessmen and they got along. But speeding up to around 2016, 2017, Barrick was appointed to Trump's inaugural committee. And the um, inaugural committee essentially is in charge of planning the inauguration and um. (laughs) The name is the definition in this case. So either way, during this time, Barack used his inside access in Trump's party and essentially Barack was in contact with UAE officials and pretty much what he was doing was he was giving them private information through a separate cell phone and through encrypted messaging and it was a separate cell phone that he had bought just you know so it was more secret and he was doing a thing called lobbying which is basically trying to give a positive or negative influence of a person or country politically and so Barack was lobbying for UAE and, and for a positive opinion and lobbying it's not illegal it's definitely not illegal but the thing was that if Barack really did want to lobby for them he should have registered as a foreign, foreign agent and he didn't and if he did register as a foreign agent he probably he probably wouldn't have been in as much trouble as he is now but I, I'm not too sure why he didn't, but it seems like if he did, Trump could have felt, you know, sort of cheated because Barack is just using their friendship for his um, financial advantages. And yes, Barack lobbying for UAE was financially beneficial for him essentially how this worked out. He would take advice from um, this person on the UAE side who knew what the government wanted. And Barack, he used to do things for them. Well, he used to change things sort of. It's interesting. So he would edit speeches to make it more favorable to the UAE and what the UAE government wanted. He wrote an entire opinion piece for Fortune magazine, favoring a uae ally and he also took tips from the person on the uae side who was sort of like speaking for the what the uae government wanted and he removed the word dictatorship from that opinion piece. Um, On top of that, before he made appearances, before the media, he got advice from the person on the UAE side on what to say and what comments to make specifically concerning UAE. Now, Tom Berkey has been convicted, so he's been proven guilty on all of these charges. And he has been released from jail on a $250 million bill. That is a whole lot of money. But as I said before, he's a very successful businessman, so he can't afford it. But it's still not cheap. It's definitely not cheap. And out of those $250 million, he's already paid $5 million in cash. And even though he's on bail, people are still seriously worried about him just flying away to another country because Beric is a citizen of Lebanon. He has access to a private plane. He could easily leave the country and avoid this entire trial. But that's not the only problem. It turns out that there was actually enough evidence for him to have been convicted last year, but that never happens. Why? So, Trump held a rally this week in Arizona, and it's continuing a uh, line of rallies he's been holding ever since he left office. And so, this rally in Arizona is particularly interesting, and I don't think we've ever talked about this. But there's a county in Arizona called Maricopa County. Essentially, Maricopa County was one of the main turning points for Arizona in the 2020 election. And essentially it was the, um, county that decided the state as where it has 66% of the state's population. And it was a crucial county needed in turning Arizona into a blue state or a liberal state or a democratic state. So, um, Arizona isn't thought of usually ever as a liberal state. The last time a Democratic candidate won that state was um, in a presidential race back in 1996, so it's over 25 years ago, and that was in the Clinton days. And people in the state were first full of surprise that for the first time in 25 years, a Democrat had won Arizona. But then that surprise, it's it, sort of people who couldn't believe it. They started embracing these conspiracy theories of a rigged election, and then it turned into the Maricopa County ballot, or you could call it vote counting. Ballot is just a fancy term for it. So it turned out that the ballot counting in Maricopa County was somehow tampered with. And by now, there are a whole lot of evolutions to that one theory. And essentially, Maricopa County's election officials, they've these conspiracy theories, and they've been recounting the votes in Maricopa County from even before Biden has made it into the office. We're, we're like three or four months away from hitting one year after that last election, and they're still counting these ballots. That's kind of sad. And so it's an expensive process. It costs it costs a whole lot of money, and it's been conducted by a company called Cyber Ninjas, who, first of all, they have no experience with election recounts or election work either way, but they're doing it, and so they've left ballots unsecured, and um, the pens that they're using, they're using pens with blue ink and votes you conduct uh your ballot already has blue ink on it. So they might just mess up the ballots unintentionally just because they were so unprofessional that they decided to use the same ink as the original ink is. You can't even tell whether oh hey, I did this we, uh, we did this or maybe it was the voter that did this. They should have just used some other color. It's really as simple as that. So, but we're not going to go too deep into that. We're moving on to Trump's speech in Arizona and it was filled with nothing new actually. It had the usual of him complaining over how the election was rigged, and he still except that it wasn't rigged. Um, it was him attacking his political opponents, having thoughts on current political events, new bills that are going, the Green New Deal that is going through Congress right now. And um, he, he had thoughts on voter fraud, especially in Maricopa County. And he was talking about how it was suspicious that the county hadn't replaced the Wi-Fi routers. And this, this, it just originates from yet another conspiracy theory that somehow the um, wi-fi routers they were connected to the voting machines and they somehow changed the results of the election electronically first of all wi-fi routers don't have that type of processing a, ca- a capability i'm pretty sure that i'm i'm positive that they're not able to do that I don't know why this is coming up. No proper electrician, someone who knows how these routers work. No one has actually confirmed this. It's so improbable. Conspiracy theories are so easy to make, yet so many people embrace them nowadays. And it's it's kind of crazy. But yeah, Trump was, he was, he was talking about how, how Wi-Fi routers had changed the results of the election. And the county won't replace the wi-fi routers you know they it's extremely expensive and it's just a lie why should they but either way all of that is going on the president also He said that people aren't getting vaccinated just because they don't trust Biden. And he went on to brag about um, how he created the vaccine and how he just like pretty much saved the world. And he isn't pushing anyone to get the vaccine still. Like, yeah, you can brag about how you got the vaccine during your term. But why won't you tell people to take it? Bragging's not going to help anyone. But it's coming as um, oddly this week, Fox News host Sean Hannity, he asked his viewers if they were able to, that they should get vaccinated and that he believes in science and that science points to get to getting vaccinated and this is this is a really big change sean Hannity is a super pro republican he's known for that his entire career is based on that and the president hasn't been pushing this ideology and now sean hannity is and that's that that's new but it's a good thing that he's doing this this is a much needed move um This also comes as we have governors, senators, and other political leaders, they began encouraging their population to get vaccinated, including Mitch McConnell, who we all know is one of the biggest members of the GOP and one of the biggest members in Congress. Of course, there still are those who are denying the effectiveness of the vaccine, but Getting the Senate Minority Leader one of the biggest positions in the GOP and one of the biggest positions in the U.S. to finally start encouraging vaccine use is still a major win and a major advancement to getting this country vaccinated. And yes, that was pretty much it for this week. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to spread the word about this podcast. Also, feel free to join our mailing list. All you need to do is send an email to Politics 2020 at gmail.com. You'll get an email every single time I release a new episode. And it will also you can also use that exact email for sending me feedback on any specific episode or the podcast overall. Also feel Feel free to rate us on Apple Podcasts. You're listening to Politics, Schmaltics, and this is the week of 7, 18, 2021.